Amen, amen. Thank you, Casey and band. You know, it's uh, sitting here listening to what God's doing here just through our worship. It's amazing how many individuals the Lord has blessed Concord with with just great talent, and they're using it for the kingdom. So, Casey, I appreciate you, man. Love you. Y'all give it up for him as he rolls in the band. Appreciate you guys. And came so early this morning, too. They were here at 7.30 to do that three times. So just so blessed for their faithfulness. Hey, listen, if you got a Bible, say amen. And let me invite you to open it with me to Luke's Gospel, chapter 19. We've been going through Luke's Gospel. We took a couple of weeks break, and now we are back in it. I want to talk to you on the subject over the next several weeks, the great coronation. The great coronation. And really, the goal this morning is just simply to encourage all of you to make the most of every opportunity that the Lord gives you. So that's it. Make the most of your God-given opportunities. And we're going to see how Jesus shares this with his listeners in Luke chapter 19, beginning in verse 11 with what is known as the parable of the minas. So if you've got a Bible, Luke 19 verse 11, stand with me in honor of God's word. Let's take a look at this together. And you've got it there in front of you. Say yes. Uh, while they were listening to these things, Jesus went on to tell a parable because he was near Jerusalem. And then notice this. They suppose, this is key. They supposed that the kingdom of God was going to appear immediately. When did they think the kingdom was coming? Immediately. Verse 12. So he said, a nobleman went to a distant country to receive a kingdom for himself and then return. And he called ten of his slaves and gave them ten minas and said to them, do business with this until I come back. But his citizens hated him. And they sent a delegation after him saying, We don't want this man to reign over us. And when he returned after receiving the kingdom, he ordered that these slaves to whom had been given the money be called to him so that he might know what business they had done. The first appeared saying, Master, your mina has made ten minas more. And he said to him, Well done, good slave. Because you have been faithful in a very little thing, you are to be in authority over ten cities. The second came, saying, Your mighty master has made five minas. And he said to him also, And you are to be over five cities. Another came, which that word in the Greek, another, means a different kind. A different kind of person came, saying, Master, here's your mina, which I kept put away in a handkerchief. For I was afraid of you, because you are an exacting man. You take up what you did not lay down, and reap what you did not sow. And he said to him, by your own words, I will judge you, you worthless slave. Did you know that I am exacting man, taking up what I did not lay down and reaping what I did not sow? Then why did you not put my money in the bank? And having come, I would have collected it with interest. And then he said to the bystanders, take the mina away from him and give it to the one who has the ten minas. And they said to him, master, he has ten minas already. Have you ever noticed, by the way, when uh, the Lord is gracious to people, others are always astonished? So he's already got ten. Why are you giving him that? God's grace overwhelming. Verse 26. I tell you that to everyone who has, more shall be given. But from the one who does not have, even what he does have shall be taken away. Verse 27. But these enemies of mine, who did not want me to reign over them, bring them here and slay them in my presence. Let's pray. So, Father, we've opened your word this morning, not simply to hear a sermon, but to hear from heaven. So I ask you to speak to every single person's heart, encourage where those are in, discouraged, strengthen those who are weak, cause those who have not responded to you yet to respond to your grace. 
And Father, we pray against the enemy who would love to distract and take everyone's attention away from you right now. And we pray that you rapture our minds to heaven, helping us to see these truths so we can apply them here on the earth. And we'll give you glory for it. And it's in Jesus' name that we pray. Amen. You can be seated. So I read about a young man who just received a master's degree in accounting. So he was going out to get a new job, and he had a job interview lined up with a great growing organization. And it was an informal job interview, at least the first one was. He was going to meet with the CEO at a cafeteria restaurant located in the big city. It was kind of one of those gym cafeterias that not everyone knew about. So the CEO met the young man there. They got in line, and you've been to a cafeteria before, so you know how it is. You grab your tray, you go through the line and get all the food that you want, and then they ring it up at the end. Well, when he was walking through the line, the young man saw the butter dish, which was filled with packs of butter. But then there was a sign on it that read, butter, 25 cents. So he reached up and he grabbed a couple of them. He looked at the CEO and said, I cannot believe they charge a quarter for this butter. Who do they think they are? Charging a quarter. Put it on his tray, kept going. Then he came to the napkins. The young man grabbed the napkins and he actually took them and covered up the butter so the cashier would not be able to see the butter. And then he went and the cashier rang up the meal. He got it 50 cents cheaper than he should have. But the CEO saw the whole thing and he blew his opportunity to get a job. The CEO made the comment, if he can't be trusted with 50 cents, there's no way in the world I'm going to trust him with the assets of this corporation. See, we think of a story like that, and we're like, you know, it's just butter. What's the big deal? Well, he blew an opportunity. And really, that's the challenge for you this morning. Challenge for me as well from the text, that we would not blow the opportunities that the Lord has given to us. See, God the Father is the great CEO of the world. And His Son, the Lord Jesus Christ, came to the earth to share about the worldwide enterprise known as the kingdom of God. Jesus said in Luke chapter 4 and verse 43, I must preach the kingdom of God, for that is why I came. Now, many who were following the Lord Jesus Christ were excited about the kingdom of God. In fact, they were anticipating the kingdom of God coming right then and there. And the reason that their anticipation was so high is because they understood what the Old Testament prophets said about the coming kingdom of the Lord. So they had read the Old Testament prophets. They were looking for a literal kingdom to come to the earth. And whenever Jesus came as the king and he began to enter into Jerusalem, the place where the kingdom will be established, their anticipation level was off of the charts. They were looking for the kingdom. Now, massive problem. The kingdom wasn't coming yet. Not in the sense of a literal fulfillment. In fact, the Lord Jesus had already told them in Luke chapter 18, I am going to go to Jerusalem. I'm going to be crucified, buried, and resurrected. But what's amazing is that his disciples and those who were following him at that time let that statement go in one ear and out the other. So they completely missed it. And then as they're entering Jerusalem, Jesus senses their anticipation. And so now he wants to share a parable with them to teach them about the kingdom. Namely, he wants to teach them... That he is about to go away and then he will return to establish the kingdom. And so we're going to see this this morning. Notice how he begins it in verse 12. He says, a nobleman went to a distant country to receive a kingdom for himself and then return. 
Now, this is not common in our current culture, but it was common in the days of Jesus. Rome was the massive political enterprise during these days. And the emperor was the one who had authority and sovereign power over all of the land. The issue is that the emperor could not be everywhere at once. And so what he would do is he would actually allow a country to have a nobleman by birth be elected and coronated to be the governor or king of that particular country. The catch is that the individual who was noble by birth actually had to travel to Rome and be coronated by the emperor and then he would come back to reign and place his kingdom in authority. So that is the picture of what is going on. That is very common in the life of the Lord Jesus Christ. And so whenever he begins to share this parable, it is common to them, most likely uncommon to us. But in the parable, what we need to realize is that Jesus is the nobleman. Uh, He was sharing with his listeners and to you and I that he is actually going to leave the earth and receive a kingdom from God the Father... And then he will return and establish his kingdom here on the earth. And this is what Jesus ultimately came to do. Jesus did go to Jerusalem to begin with, to be crucified, buried, and resurrected for the sin of humanity. And the Bible says, and you've read your Bible, so you have seen where Jesus ascended into the heavens and sat down at the right hand of God. And what is happening there is actually what we would call the great coronation. See, God the Father was actually crowning His Son, the Lord Jesus Christ, and giving Him kingdom authority to one day be established literally here upon the earth. Paul the Apostle writes about it in Philippians 2, verses 9 through 11, when he says, God highly exalted Jesus and gave Him a name that which is above every single name, that at the name of Jesus every knee will bow, every tongue will confess that Jesus Christ is the Lord. Those who are in heaven, those who are on earth, and those who are under the earth, all to the glory of God the Father. See, Jesus was coronated by God the Father, and given the kingdom and the authority to rule upon the earth. Remember what Jesus said, by the way, in Matthew 28. He looks at his disciples and he begins by saying this, All authority has been given unto me. Go and make disciples of all nations. And so here we see this great picture of what the Lord Jesus Christ has done. He is now currently seated by God the Father at the right hand, which is the place of honor, the place of respect. And he is awaiting the appointed time when he will actually come back to the earth and establish his kingdom. So the question is, well, what are we supposed to do in the meantime? And really that's what the parable does. It is awesome. Notice verse 13. He called ten of his slaves and gave them ten minas and said to them, Do business with this until I return. Now these minas given would have represented about three months salary for a person. So the nobleman gave his slaves resources and told them to make the most of their opportunities. They were left, listen, to manage the resources well until the nobleman's return. Now, question, why do we need to know this? Why is this even remotely important? Why are we studying it in church together this morning? Well, here, here's the reason. Here's what you've got to take home with you. Do not miss it. You can like, well, don't listen to the rest of the sermon, all right? But I really want you to hear this, all right? This is huge. How we manage our opportunity while Jesus is away will determine our responsibilities when Jesus returns. How we manage 
our God-given responsibilities while Jesus is away will determine our responsibility when Jesus returns. It's an awesome principle. So really, the question then becomes, well, what in the world have we been given? I mean, what, what have we been entrusted with? Well, if you do a quick little survey of the New Testament, you begin to discover some things that the Lord has entrusted to you and I as followers of His. One, we've been entrusted with the gospel of Jesus Christ. So the gospel has been given to us. We've been entrusted with a gift to exercise in the context of the body of believers. We've also been entrusted with the resources of God to do kingdom work. So think about that for just a moment. When we see Jesus, we will be held accountable by him for how we express the gospel of Jesus to other people. Paul writes in 1 Thessalonians, we have been approved by God to be entrusted with the gospel. So we speak not as pleasing men, but God who examines our hearts. We also know we're going to be held accountable for how we exercise our spiritual gifts. The Bible says, Peter writing, as each one has received a special gift, employ it in serving one another as good managers of the manifold grace of God. Then we also know, according to Scripture, that we are going to be held accountable for how we invested in the kingdom work of the Lord. And yes, that speaks about our finances. Listen, there is not one single penny that touches your finger without the divine permission of God. And all of us will be held accountable for how we use, listen to the preacher, God's resources. Now, it's huge here this morning as we look at this text of Scripture because Jesus really gives us three categories of individuals. And here's the awesome thing about the parable. Every single person who's ever breathed the breath of life is represented in the parable. So if you're in here today and you're breathing, uh, this parable in some form or fashion is going to apply to you. And so what we want to do is look at those three categories and then ask the question, which category do you fall into? So here goes the very first category of individuals in the text. Some people are categorically enraged by the kingdom work of Jesus. They are enraged by the kingdom work of Jesus. Look at verse 14 in your Bibles again, if you will. The scripture says, but his citizens hated him. Speaking about the nobleman. He sent a delegation after him saying, we don't want this man to reign over us. Now this text of scripture gives the imagery of someone getting a group together to go to the higher authority and say, we don't want this man to be king over us. Now those listening knew this all too well. You see, Jesus, when he was just a young boy, there was actually an individual who went to receive a kingdom from the emperor, but the king who was going to receive it, they didn't want him. And so they actually sent a delegation to the higher authority, the emperor, and said, we don't want that guy to be king over us. Don't let him be the king. So they've experienced this before. Many people listening to Jesus would have recalled that event. But here in this text of Scripture, what Jesus is doing is elevating their minds to the reality that there will be many, even in that crowd listening there, who will eventually say they want nothing to do with the Lord Jesus. And that is true, isn't it? Next Sunday we're going to see uh, together in Luke's Gospel how they all got together and they praised Jesus. He's entering Jerusalem and they're singing Hosannas. Hey, only five days later, the ones who were singing Hosannas are now screaming, Crucify Him! 
We don't want this man as our king. We want nothing whatsoever to do with him. They put that sign above his head when he was crucified that said the king of the Jews. And they didn't even like that. Like, take that sign down. We don't want that. He's not our king. They totally turned against him. Now, here's what we've got to know this morning. Regardless of what a person thinks about Jesus, he's still the king. So it's like, well, I don't want him to be king. Doesn't matter. Right? And that's the thing, like our attitudes and our uh, heart and our decisions do not determine whether or not the Lord Jesus is the king. He is supreme and he is sovereign. And if you hear the message of Jesus Christ, which is the gospel, Jesus died on the cross to pay for the penalty of your sin, which was death. He was buried and resurrected. And now you must repent, turn from your old way of thinking and living, and trust Jesus Christ as the payment for your sin. When you hear that gospel message, you're like, what? That happened 2,000 years ago. How can Jesus make a difference in me? I want nothing to do with him. He wants me to submit to him authority i'm not gonna i don't want him to be king over my life i'm not lining up under the authority of jesus some say i'm not going to give away my lifestyle that i currently have going on so i can follow after the lord jesus christ well here's the thing those who have that hard rebellious heart are one day still going to see jesus you know what is true what is true is that everybody eventually is going to see the lord jesus And that's the thing. Whenever a person rejects the person of Jesus Christ, they think Jesus has nothing to do with them. Even if you reject Jesus, check this. Jesus has everything to do with you. You're going to see. By virtue of birth upon the earth, which is God's, you belong to Him. He is sovereign and supreme over your life. It's interesting though, isn't it? So many people just reject the person of Jesus and say, it's no big deal, man. I'll do my own thing over here. I have nothing to do with the Lord. One day they will stand before the Lord and they'll have everything to do with him. Matter of fact, in this parable, notice what Jesus says, the nobleman, by the way, who's the nobleman in the parable? Who is it? Who's it represent? Starts with a J and ends with an Jesus. Y'all all right? It's Jesus, right? That's who it represents. So what did the nobleman do to those who were angry and said, we don't want this guy to be our king? Verse 27. These enemies of mine who did not want me to reign over them, bring them here and slay them in my presence. Hey, hey, by vote. All right, by vote. How many of you would agree that's a pretty strong statement? Can I get a witness on that right, right up here? Yeah, put it down now. Now here's the thing. What is this getting at? This is pointing, as we look at the rest of Scripture, to the reality that those who are unbelievers, those who have rejected Jesus, those who want nothing to do with the kingdom of Jesus, will one day stand at what's known as the great white throne judgment. And the Bible says that they will stand before a holy Christ whose eyes are like fire. And there will be books stacked upon books all about that individual's life. Every sin that they'd ever committed in thought, word, and deed will be read open right there in front of them. And then they will see Jesus Christ, the one whom they said, "Eh, I don't want anything to do with him. They're going to realize that Jesus has everything now to do with them. And they'll stand condemned. And the Bible says they will be slain in the sense that As Revelation chapter 20 verse 15 says, they will be thrown into the lake of fire. They go to hell. Now here's the thing. You may be visiting today, and first of all, I'm glad you're here. 
And you're thinking, get, I went to church and there it is, hellfire and brimstone. Here's the thing, man. Like Jesus talks about it. So it's not like I can just skip over these verses and say, let's just talk about like uh, some other stuff that won't, you know, mess anybody up or possibly offend them. And, and then some are like, well, I don't believe in hell anyway. Are y'all looking at the preacher? Jesus got up from the dead, ascended into the heavens. I believe I'm going to take his word over yours. Y'all all right? Some of you are like, I don't believe in hell. I, so? Jesus... The king speaks of it. Jesus, the king, says there's going to come a time when people stand before me and they'll be thrown into the lake of fire all because they wanted nothing to do with me. So somebody's like, Jesus wouldn't do that. He is loving. He is kind. He'd never throw anybody into hell. He'd never sentence anyone to eternal judgment. He's too loving. You know, I kind of get down with that, but here's the deal. People choose not to follow Jesus. And they receive the just payment of their sin. The warning's out there. So the encouragement to you, if you are here today and you've heard about Jesus being king, but you've not responded, maybe you've even been ill about it, listen, the message is repent and be saved. There is a glorious God who by His grace is letting you breathe this morning and not go to hell. And now you're hearing the gospel message so that you can respond to it. But those who reject Jesus will be rejected by Jesus. But those who receive him will be received by him. Amen? All right, so there's the first category, those who are enraged. But then the second category are those who are engaged in the kingdom work of Jesus. They're engaged. And I love this text of Scripture. Verse 15, look in your Bible. Uh, When he returned after receiving the kingdom, he ordered that these slaves to whom he had been given the money... Uh, be called to him so that he might know what business they had done. So the first appeared saying, Master, your mind has made ten minus more. And he said to him, Well done, good slave, because you have been faithful in a very little thing. You are to be in authority over ten cities. The second came saying, Your minor master has made five minus. And he said to him, And you are to be over five cities. Now, this is a picture all right, of what happens when Jesus returns to the earth to establish his kingdom. And the Bible teaches about this very clearly. It describes this time as known as the millennium or the millennial reign. It's a thousand year little reign of the Lord Jesus Christ here upon the earth. It's taught in the book of Revelation and also prophesied in the Old Testament. Remember, Jesus has ascended into heaven. He's been coronated by God the Father. The kingdom is His here upon the earth. And at the proper time, Jesus will come to the earth and establish a kingdom. And in that particular time frame, Jesus will give out responsibility in His future kingdom based upon a person's faithfulness to fulfill God's call upon their life today. So we restate the principle. How we manage our God-given responsibility while Jesus is away will determine our responsibility when Jesus returns. So for the follower of Jesus, his or her sins, thank goodness, have already been judged at the cross of Calvary. Amen on that one? So it's like, well, I I stand up there condemned? No, 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 your sin is taken care of. But you are going to be judged, the Bible teaches, based upon your service. Not to determine entrance into heaven, listen closely, but to determine responsibility in the kingdom. And this judgment is called the Bema Seat Judgment, or the Reward Seat in the New Testament. Paul writes about it in 2 Corinthians chapter 5. He also writes about it in 1 Corinthians 3. Listen to what he says. He says, if any man builds on the foundation... 
And the foundation of that text is talking about the gospel work in an individual's life. If any man builds on the foundation with gold, silver, precious stones, wood, hay, straw, each man's work will become evident. For the day will show it because it is to be revealed with fire. And the fire itself will test the quality of each man's work. And if any man's work which he has built on it remains, he receives a reward. And if any man's work is burned up, he will suffer loss. Now, please listen. In 1 Corinthians chapter 3, when he talks about fire there, he's not talking about hell. He's talking about the purifying fire of the Lord Jesus. That our life, our service to him will be laid bare before him. And then the purifying fire of the Lord Jesus will come up to our service and melt away those things that are of no value And those things that are like gold and precious stone, they will remain. And the Bible says Jesus in that moment will reward those individuals. So Scripture clearly teaches this. It's two different judgments. There's the great white throne judgment, the judgment of unbelievers. And then there's the Bema judgment, the reward seat, the judgment seat of Christ. That's the judgment of believers, followers of Jesus. That's pretty wild here. Some have argued that this parable teaches that Jesus will actually give people authority over cities. In the millennial kingdom whenever he returns. And you think about that for just a moment, right? Jesus comes back to the earth. And he establishes his kingdom here upon the earth. And I don't know, he begins to look at your life and look at my life. And all of a sudden, maybe he looks at Levi and says, uh, Hey, Levi, I'm going to give you Lula. <laughs> Y'all all right? I mean, I live there now. I mean, I'm down with it. So what happened? And somebody, I said that in the second service. And they said, you need to put an R at the end of Lula. That's how you're supposed to say it. Lula. So I'm working on it. All right, Luler. That's the deal. God is going to, in Christ, give you and I responsibilities in the millennial kingdom, whereby we will represent him as he reigns from Jerusalem. That's fascinating when you begin to study these things. So what I want you to do now uh, is think about your life right now. All right, everybody with me? Think about your life right this minute. If you were right now to be judged by the Lord, as a follower of Jesus, now I'm not talking to unbelievers, I'm talking about those who know Jesus personally, and you died and stood before the Lord. It's like, how is that going to go down for you? If you're you're going to be judged because you've been entrusted with the gospel of Jesus Christ, and you've been called to go out and share the gospel, so that's our calling, we're to share the Lord Jesus Christ with those who are far from God so that they might be saved. Can I ask you, are you faithfully sharing this message with your Children? Grandchildren? Are you faithfully sharing the message of Jesus with your neighbors? I mean, the people you live around? Are you faithfully sharing this message with those that you work with? People you see every single day, just about of the week? Outside of the faith, are you sharing that message with them? Here's another kind of sobering question. What steps have you taken in the past couple of weeks just to take an opportunity to share the gospel of Jesus Christ with someone? Hey, listen, listen, this is no joke, man. If you, as a follower of Jesus, you stood before the glorious Son of God right now, and He said, let's take a look at your life, and let's see how faithful you were with the gospel that I entrusted to you. Will Jesus be able to look at your life and say, well done, my good and faithful servant? You've been entrusted, the Bible says, with a gift to employ in the body of Christ. That is, you should be serving in a local church, whether it's here or somewhere else. 
If you were to stand right now and give an account for how you've exercised your God-given gifts, how's that going to go down? Are you growing in that gift? Are you exercising, serving faithfully? You've been entrusted with the resources of God to do kingdom work. Like I said, every penny that touches your uh, finger, God gave permission. That's not your money. It's not my money. That's God's resources. Are you faithfully giving to those who are in need? Are you faithfully giving to God's kingdom work? Can we do another vote? How many of you say that's pretty sobering right there, right? Right? You know, I'm looking at this and I'm thinking to myself, man, I do not want to squander opportunities that the Lord gives. I don't want to just say, no, you know what, I'm going to do my own thing here, Lord. Thank you for salvation, but I'm just going to keep trucking here. No, no, man. It's like, Lord, you saved me from eternal hell. Who am I? that you would redeem me. And I want to now give my life over to you. We just sang about it. Here am I. All of me. Man, I hope that's the prayer of your life. Now, um, you know, woo, y'all are taking way too long. Y'all all right with that right there? Uh, here's, here's what I found. Like I've been in, in, in ministry uh, since I was 19, right? And I'm 22 now. So I've been doing this for a good while. <laughs> But I have, uh, yeah, I have, thank you, God bless you. But I have found uh, in the ministry that there are people who are passionate, man. They, they get after it. And then somewhere along the lines, it's like they just drove off the road and into the ditch. And I'm like, what, what, what happened? Why are you serving, man? God's gifted you so much. Why are you not sharing the gospel? God's given you that. What's going on in your life? And I, and I hear some, of the, some similar things. Some people have kind of shirked their responsibility because of a past hurt in their life. So maybe they got hurt in church or maybe they got hurt by somebody who was a pastor or a staff member or a Sunday school teacher or somebody who called themselves a Christian or maybe something happened in their life that they thought there was, I mean, maybe a death in the family, maybe this occurred, a lost job, et cetera, et cetera, and you're just hurt. And some people get to the point where they're like, I didn't, I, God, I, I didn't even think he cared. And so I began to push aside what he called me to do. Now, you've got to go with me here, all right? Go with me to the judgment seat. Let's say that's you. What's that going to be like? You stand before the Lord. Lord, Lord, I, I just thought you didn't care about me anymore. I mean, I had this hurt go on in my life. And so, man, I just began to push everything to the side. And, Lord, I just did not do what you called me to do. I, I know it. I'm going to suffer loss here. And here I have in my life been, I mean, just so involved and invested in these trifle, temporary things that mean nothing for eternity. Some people, just because of a hurt, are losing reward. Now, here's a great statement that I got this past week that I'll give you. Don't give up what you do know for what you don't know. Don't give up what you do know for what you don't know. Now, what do you mean by that? Here's, what do we know about God? We know He is caring. We know He is loving. We know He is faithful. We know the Scripture says that He causes all things to work together for the good of those who are called according to His purpose. So we know all of these truths and we seek to live by them. But sometimes when a person is hurt, they give up what they don't know, or rather what they do know, for what they don't know. They have no idea what the Lord's doing in their life. God may have used that hurt. God will use that hurt. To actually help you. 
Some people just get discouraged. Now, go with me here. Could you imagine you stand before the Lord and say, Lord, I was serving you, but nobody seemed to notice. Nobody ever said good job. Nobody ever encouraged me. Nobody ever patted me on the back. So I just quit. And, you know, that, that may be you. you. You may have been involved in a church for some time, may have been involved here in the church, and you feel like you're, you know, you're out there serving, you're doing your thing, maybe in the parking lot or the nursery, nobody ever says anything to you. Listen, your day of recognition hadn't come yet. Jesus is watching every single thing. And I'm overwhelmed. You know, I think about those individuals who have given their life to do missions out in some of these tribal places where they left family, left home, left comfortable, and they went and they invested themselves in sharing the good news of Jesus Christ with people out in mud huts. There's nobody out there patting them on the back saying, good job, you the man. But the Lord sees everything they do. I think about those people, right? When I read passages like this, think about those people. It's like, man, if the Lord's rolling out cities, those jokers are going to get hooked up. Are y'all listening? Some people, uh, I just call it negative self-talk because I don't know what else to call it, but some people just beat themselves up. You know, Maybe they'll stand before the Lord one day and they're like, Lord, I, I just was amazed that you even brought me in the kingdom. You know, I, I'm so worthless, so useless, I'm a loser, I'm ungifted, I'm unqualified. That's why I never did any service. And the enemy will fuel that negative self-talk and keep you from being faithful to what God's called you to do. Listen, listen, look at the preacher just a moment. Eyeball to eyeball. God did not save you for no intended purpose. So if you've been born again, God has gifted you to serve in the body. So if you're not serving faithfully, man, I want to encourage you to do just that. So again, all right, go with me. I promise you I'm almost done with this message in about 38 more minutes. But I want you to go with me with this, all right? Think about it. If you stand before the Lord... What you will one day as a follower of Jesus. What's that going? What, what do you want that to be like? What do you want that to be like? If you come away and you say, you know what, man, I, I, wanna, I, won't, I don't want to be ashamed. I want to I be, I mean, boldly, as the Bible says, confidently running to the person of Jesus when he returns. If you, if you want to have an experience like that in that future day, the question is, what are you doing today to ensure that day? How many of you know, man, like dreams and good intentions don't get it done? So we can dream about it all day long. What do you want that day to be like? How we manage our opportunity while Jesus is away will determine our responsibility when Jesus returns. All right, last little category. I promise I'm going to go a little quicker here. Some are enraged, some are engaged, and then thirdly, some are disengaged from the kingdom work of Jesus. Verse 20, the Bible says, another came. And again, that word another, it, it literally means a different kind of individual came. Say, Master, here's your minor. I kept it away in a handkerchief. I was afraid of you because you're an exacting man. You take up what you didn't lay down. You reap what you did not sow. And here is a person who had no desire whatsoever to honor the nobleman, no care about the nobleman's cause or kingdom. One commentator said the, he even called the nobleman a thief. You're taking up what you don't lay down. You're reaping what you don't sow. 
He took what was given to him, did absolutely nothing with it. Reminds me of a person who would have been listening to this parable on that particular day named Judas. A disciple who had all the privileges of the other disciples, but he absolutely squandered it. He was just hanging out among the group to try to see if he might get something out of it. So this third category of people Jesus speaks about are those who are a different kind. They look the part as Christ followers, but deep down they they know they're not genuine followers. They are wheat among the weeds, or rather weeds among the wheat. They attach themselves to the church, but they are not genuine disciples. They bear no fruit. Completely lose. Squander their opportunity. You know, the Bible says Jesus is like, there'll be many who call me Lord, Lord, who will not inherit the kingdom of God. Are y'all listening? Look at, look at, look at it. I'm trying to pull it out, all right? There'll be many who call me Lord, Lord, who will not inherit the kingdom of God. You know what that means? That means that those are religious people. Hang out in the church. So who's Jesus? Oh, Lord. I call him Lord. But they're disengaged from fruitful ministry. People do not bear fruit if they don't have the root. Jesus. So just claiming like, yeah, man, I know Jesus. Yeah, I know. I believe believe in Jesus. The devil believes in Jesus. I'm going to hang out around here. Man, these are pretty good people. You know what I mean? I'll kind of attach myself to what's going down here. Makes no difference. So externally, you can look the part, but internally you know something is Absolutely missing. So which category are you? Hmm? Enraged? I want Jesus to be king over me. Well, you've been warned, all right? Warned this morning. That if that's your attitude, you'll stand before Jesus one day. And the one you rejected will reject you. You'll be sentenced to hell for eternity. Good news is you're still alive. Hasn't happened yet. So you can still be saved. The Bible says, whosoever calls on the name of the Lord shall be saved. Some of you are engaged in the kingdom work. Maybe you got a little discouraged here and there. Maybe you're not as faithful as you really want to be. What's the encouragement? Be faithful. Just do what God's called you to do. And some of you are disengaged. You've been in church all your life, but you know you're not a person who is genuinely following Jesus. Respond to him. Can I get a witness on that? Amen. Let's bow. Father, in Jesus' name, speak to hearts even now. We don't want to waste our opportunities that you've given us here on the earth. And right now, Lord, you're giving an opportunity for people to respond to the gospel message. Thank you so much for what you've done to bring us into the kingdom, paying the penalty of our sin on the cross. And now, Lord, I pray that you'd speak to people and you'd draw them to yourself. Your heads are bowed, your eyes.